what I've noticed here lately is different tension levels. And I'm not saying pointing any fingers or anything, but I see it all over. Even you know, lack of um, love between ministries. And, I, and I, I sense a little bit of a tension there. And I, and I want to caution you as we push forward and push ahead because, my brothers and sisters, I think that we're in a, a, a time where, as John is going to point out with his experience and he already began to, has begun to point out, you know, God is the same God. And he's, that, that glory, he's, he's just as glorious as he was back then. And he's just as willing to show us that portion of his glory as, as he did back then. So, it's, it's not, I, and I'm ready for it. And I know some of you are too. Or, or at least I want it. So, so listen, here's, here's, please don't let the beginning of this service throw you off. Please, hear me. No, hear the Lord. He is getting me ready. He is getting you ready. He is getting us ready. We may be in different places, but our destination is the same. My brothers and sisters, uh, this morning I'm going to talk to you about uh, fulfill the call. We're all called. We're all called. But we're all in this process of getting, having the call on our lives fulfilled. So let's begin in 1 Corinthians Chapter 10, I'm going to read this to you and, and you'll understand the purpose as I explain it to you in a moment. Moreover, brother, I do not want you to be unaware that all of our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with the most of them, God was not well pleased. For their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now verse 6 says, these, Now these things become or became our examples. Thank you. Thank you, Nyla. To the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor, not, it, it, I can't... I've got to push on this. My brothers and sisters... You know what, it seems like we're so enamored with recreation and what to do with our spare time, what, you know, what we do. And, and I don't know who has a whole lot of spare time in this culture because we're so busy anyway. I know Mary doesn't. I know she's always working. But I know we have, you know, so there's not a lot of time. I, I, but, but at the same time, when we do have those moments when we're away from work, when we're not being pressed with ministry or whatever it is, what is it that we're doing? What are we spending? Are we looking for recreation? Where are we looking for uh, fulfillment? Or, and I love what John said too. Sometimes you just got to get away. Get away from what? My wife? Get away from what? My kids? Get away from what? My job? See, this wasn't in the message, my brothers and sisters. This is Holy Spirit, so somebody needs to be listening. And maybe it's me. Do I need to get away from all of those things? It's not necessarily that I need to get away from those things. It's that I have to go to God. i got to get in the presence of God. And if I always have those things keeping me out of His presence, then, man, my call will never be fulfilled. I've got to get in the presence of God. And sometimes getting in the presence of God means I've got to get away. Didn't Jesus do that? Yes, He did. He absolutely did. So, what am I saying then? Well, sometimes don't come to church. No! 
<laughs> I'm not saying that. Because we also need to assemble the, the, the assembling of ourselves together. Amen? But let me continue there, and I, I, I apologize for going down that rabbit trail. Maybe not. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And do I need to push on that? Do you see what's going on in our culture? Do you see the fact that you know uh, adultery in the church is just as bad as out of the church? Divorce, all of the stuff is going on in the church. Do I have to show you? Last night we went to that uh, night. Uh, what was it called again? Winter Jam. Last night we went to Winter Jam. Had a great time. Kids, your kids. It was a pleasure having your kids. It was nice. It was nice. It was neat. Some of the kids got to experience some things they've never experienced before. Got to see some bands and all this other stuff. Some of it's just not my style. And I'm going to tell you all something. Some of that stuff's not of God. And I'm going to stand here and sound like an old-timey holiness preacher. So be it. Some of that stuff is not of God. I said it. I meant it. And I will stand by it. However... Not to get off the rabbit, get onto another rabbit trail, but 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 here's what I know: when we go into situations like that, it's it's neat, it's great, it's 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 good, and and in, in, in a way that you know it fulfills us. But you you get into a situation like that. I want to make sure it's not just about you know recreation, or it's just not about you know. Uh, but it, it has to it has to involve God. It has to. It has to involve God. We have all of these things that are in the, in the church now. All of these things that are affecting us and all of these things that are affecting our children and it you know, breaks my heart. Well, anyway, let me continue. They were... Um, sexual immorality, some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell, nor let us tempt Christ as some of them tempted and were destroyed by serpents nor complain, as some of them also complained, and were destroyed by the destroyer. These things happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. Could you put those back up there for me, please? My brothers and sisters, I've said it from this pulpit before, and I've alluded to it even in the past couple of weeks about the Old Testament. And see, so many times, I, and, and I wanted to make sure that you saw the actual Scripture. I want to make sure that you read this Scripture. When you go home today, please, don't do it now, but when you go home or when you have a moment, look up this and make sure that I, you, you check this out. And you'll read in its full context what the Holy Spirit is teaching us, what He's saying to us. My brothers and sisters, when they preached... The, the, the early church, the first church, when they preached and they referred to the Scriptures, what did they refer to? The Old Testament. The Old Testament. The first recorded, sure enough, Holy Ghost preaching in Acts chapter 2, the Apostle Peter got up and he started immediately quoting the Old Testament. So if it was good enough for them, why all of a sudden is it not good enough for us? And the we- reason why I bring this up is because we've kind of looked at some of those things and we say, well, that's not God anymore. God, you know, and again, I know I've quoted this to you, but hey, there's new people in here. I get to quote it again. I love what Francis Chan says. I love it because it's so true. Yeah, you know, that was God in the Old Testament. God mellowed out in the New Testament because, you know, grace and all that. Have you read Revelation? That's part of the New Testament. That's coming up. My brothers and sisters, Listen. I'm here, I'm not trying, I don't want to beat anybody up, but we have examples. See, we have the benefit of looking back and learning from it. How silly are we if we can't look back and have God warn us, show us specifically, 
and then not learn from it. Shame on us. Amen? Okay, so we have this, and, and, and God has done that in His infinite wisdom and His, His powerful might and knowing who we are and what we need and, 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 and really His desire is for us to be saved. But He's warning us, His kids, don't let these same things happen to you. Israel was called. They were called to leave Egypt and called into the promised land. You are called. All of us are called to be reconciled back with God and then we have our individual callings on what our path with Jesus looks like. Amen? And none of us, none of those paths should conflict with the other. They should work in concert. It's, it's like a symphony. It's like a symphony. Hallelujah. So now, with that in mind, we'll go forward. In First Chronicles chapter 4, beginning in verse 9, here's what it says. Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. Now, now I want, she named him a name that means to grieve. Named him a name that means to make sorrowful or to cause pain. Hmm. What a favor that mom did for her son. But God. But God. See, I, I, I don't know why this is here. The, the Bible doesn't elaborate on it. The Holy Spirit doesn't. But it does slip in there. Now, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. I believe wholeheartedly, my brothers and sisters, that's in there sp- for a specific reason. Jabez did not know Christ. Christ didn't die yet. But Jabez, somewhere, somehow, in his heart, must have chose to follow God as well as he knew how. Allah Job. Was following God as good as he knew how. His intention was to follow God. How do I know that? Well, it says that he was honorable. And when the Bible says that he was honorable, I have a, a strong suspicion that it's not speaking according to Tony's standards of honorable. It's not speaking to that cultural standard. It's speaking to his standard. Did that earn him salvation? No, but I'll tell you what it probably did earn him. When he was one of those saints that was in Abraham's bosom, when Jesus descended before he ascended, he went down there, he preached the gospel, he said, you all are set free, come with me. Oh boy. I'm, I'm, I get excited about that stuff. You all are dead. What would you do, stay up? Hey, I was the one that stayed up late last night. What are you all doing? I know all of you weren't there at, at Winter Jam. Got it right that time. I know you all weren't there. Come on. That is exciting stuff. That's good news. That's great news. That God, our God, is so merciful and so loving, even though that sacrifice had not been made yet, he looked at those Old Testament saints that lived their lives by faith. Nothing else. Faith. And then, looking forward, looking forward, they knew there was something out there. They were looking forward to it. They didn't get to see it in their moral state. But they darn sure saw it Excuse me, when they were in Abraham's bosom. And Jesus went down there and said, I'm the one you were looking for. Come with me. Hallelujah. Verse 10, And Jabez called on God, on the God of Israel, 
saying, oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. See, my brothers and sisters, this, the, he was supposed to be a follower of God, and he was. It was his, in, his intention to follow God, but he was labeled at a very young age from the time of his birth. He was labeled as someone who would cause sorrow, someone who would cause pain, the very meaning of his name. So here's what I'm saying to you. Now, he could have wallowed. Man, I'm, this is what my destiny is. This is what my name is. This is what my own mother has called me. Uh, you know, my own mother doesn't look for, uh, at the day of my birth as a happy time. My own mother looked at me when I was born and called me someone that causes sorrow, someone who causes pain. I didn't bring her joy. I was not her little bundle of joy. I was something that she looked at and said, Whoa, this is too excruciating. This, I'm going uh, to... We do it too. We do it too. We let the world, social media, our peers, we let people label us. We let them do it. We let them do it. And that, that, that stunts the call that we have on our life. That holds us back. Sometimes it holds us back because we simply say, well, I'm not going to try. This is it for me. This is where I was chosen to be. This is... This is who I am. Sometimes we go the opposite. We're going to burn like fire to try and prove everybody wrong. The problem with that is we're not waiting on the Lord to do it. We're not following God. We're determined and we're going like a bull in a china shop and we're going to make tracks, baby. But that doesn't fulfill our call. See, God has the call on our lives. We're not called to do what we think is right. We're called to fulfill what He has purposed and planned for us. See, so what seems right to us, that might not be what God has called us to. Are you with me? Okay, so, my brothers, the the labels, sometimes it's just the culture itself, the world, the day and age that we live in. The day and age that we live in. The social mores. You know, I, I, I dread sometimes seeing my grand... And I'm not trying to be ugly to anybody, so please, and especially my granddaughters, none of them are here, but if they listen. I, I dread sometimes to see what my granddaughters dress like. I'm being honest with you. Was that going to keep them from their call? No, but what I'm saying is that's an indication that the culture is influencing them. And the influence of the culture can keep you from fulfilling the call that God has for you. Am I out in left field here? So every once in a while, I'd like for one of you at least to say amen because I feel like I'm by myself right now. The only one here is me and the Holy Spirit. And I know that's not true. But I want to tell you something. Honestly, I'm not mad at anybody. I'm I'm a little bit mad at the world. You know what I mean? But I feel bad. Thank you, brother. But But I feel... More sad than anything. But, but here's what happens. As a leader of the church, as a pastor of the church, John, I know, you know, it's my job to prepare you. It's our jobs to equip you. What? To fulfill the call that God has on your life. 
That you have those things, that you're able to do the work that He's called you to. And I see so many times that people are going to these concerts and, and you know, the concert hall churches that we have, and they're really not being equipped for the work that God has called them to. So instead of you know, going out there and exploring all the possibilities, now don't get me wrong, I know that I'm painting with a broad brush here. I know that. So I know our young sister back there is, is involved in ministry that's forwarding young people in getting the job done. There's missionaries and there's a lot. Praise God, we don't see that as much. And see, my, my job, so that's why I want you to understand, my job is to pastor this local church, this community. And anybody who would come alongside me, that's what we're called to do, is to lead this group of people. And then not only lead this group of people, then go out and you know, add to the numbers those who the Lord is saving. That's, that's our job. Now, what that looks like, will we work it out. God's called you. If I could help you in your call, that's what we'll do. But my brothers and sisters, you see these venues and all of this stuff, and now this culture is it's infecting our kids. and it's, it's have, So how in the world can they have any sure direction lest they get totally involved in some of these ancillary ministries? That's why I keep praying for a full-time youth pastor or Michael and Christina. They can go out and do the things and call people in. They're evangelists could call people in. She, I, I know I'm saying too much, but I can't help it. And there's some of you in here that have gifts and callings that we're not using yet. And my, my, my intention is for you to, to, to come in here and let's, let's work together. Let's do what we have to do. But my brothers and sisters, we're letting the culture hold us back. We're letting the culture infect our kids. So it's like a tug of war between us you know, and we think we're on God's side, pulling our and the culture's pulling me another way. And so the call, will the call ever get fulfilled in our kids? And my brothers and sisters, there are the cultural, some of the cultural things that have happened have placed chips on people's shoulders. I know, I used to have one. But it's a shame because I, I've, I've come across a lot of young men who, because of the culture have a major chip on their shoulder, think everything is lined up against them. You know, if something goes wrong in their life, it's because of the color of their skin or because they live on the wrong side of town and that's what they've been told or that's what they're used to or whatever the case may be. My brothers and sisters, I, you know, I've counseled one young man, please, please, the chip that's on your shoulder, if you could ever have that removed, I'm telling you, God has a plan for your life. You, man, you can have great influence. I know you're a smart young man. I know that you have these gifts. I know it. I can see it. It doesn't take a spiritual giant to see this. But I'm saying, please, what, what, what would it take? What can I do to help you? Because that giant chip on your shoulder is killing you. But we let that happen. So now... I want to go to the next. So, so, so watch. Don't let the labels or the culture, our environment, hold us back from fulfilling the call. Exodus chapter 3. You can just listen for a little while and, and look it up. This is when Moses is called. God says that you know, he's seen the oppression of his people who are in Egypt. He's heard their cry because of their taskmasters. And he says, I know their sorrow. 
So I'm going to read to you beginning in verse 8. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and, the Hada, and all the ites and tites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. He's addressing Moses, obviously. This is out of the burning bush that Moses saw and says, hey, what's that? Verse 11. Excuse me. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this, small, this shall be a sign to you that I have set you, 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 when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Um, I just, I, I, my brothers and sisters, those of us who were studying together on Wednesday, we were in that scripture for a while, and it's so amazing to me. When, Mo, when Moses is asking, who am I? God says, I'm going to tell you who you are. I'm with you. I'm going to tell you who, 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 who you are. I'm with you. That makes you somebody. That makes you somebody. Oh, not somebody like this, but somebody of consequence in the spiritual realm. Somebody of consequence in the kingdom of God. Somebody of consequence because you are the child of God and He has a purpose and a plan for your life. And it does not include depression, anxiety. It does not include to be totally broken down in your body. It does not include to be totally burdened, totally tore down with so much work I can't, and so much of these cares and these woes. He said, I see the oppression of my people. I hear their cries. I'm noticing those taskmasters. And that ain't going to be for very long. Why not? Because you're going. But who am I? I'm going to tell you who you are. When you're going, you're taking me with you. Hallelujah. My brothers and sisters, wherever you go, God is with you. I can't do this or I can't do that or I have to do this. No, you have to do what He has sent you to do. Period. And I may not like it. She may not like it. That one may... Doesn't matter what they like. I'm not a man pleaser. We're not a man pleaser. We're here to please God. Oh, easy to say, Pastor. That's easy. You're a pastor. Yeah, that's what I do. I stand in this pulpit every day while you're working, you know, while you're going about your business. I'm standing up here just waiting to hear from God. It doesn't work that way. I'm living in the world just like you are. It's not easy. I know it's not easy. Nevertheless, He strengthens us, doesn't He? But look, I will certainly be with you. Now, do you remember where Moses was when God appeared to him in the burning bush? Yes. Luke, hallelujah. That's two weeks in a row. You're hot. You're on fire, baby. <laughs> he was tending the flock. He was on the backside of the mountain tending a flock. Do you remember how he ended up there? Not you, Luke. Do you remember? <laughs> Do you remember how he ended up there? He saw one of the Egyptians beaten up on a Hebrew. And he stepped in. And he took care of business. He murdered the Egyptian. Buried him in the sand. And then he got afraid because the next day, I think it was, he saw two of his own brothers 
fighting among each other and he tried to break up the argument. And one of them said, are you going to kill us like you killed the Egyptian? And so Moses got, okay, now everybody, the jig is up. Everybody knows I'm, I'm going to run. And he ran. Let me read to you something out of Hebrews 11, 24 through 26. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. My brothers and sisters, listen, that thing that happened happened because there was already an unction inside of Moses. That thing that happened when he stood up for the Hebrew, he had already made a decision when he came of age that he, he wasn't an Egyptian. He wanted to be identified with his Hebrew brethren. His, and my bro- See, there was, there was an intention. God had a plan. God had a, a, a call on Moses. God had a call on Moses. Well, my brothers and sisters, he was the one that was put into the Nile. He was the one that was rescued by Pharaoh's daughter. He was the one God had intention. God had a call on his life. God called him and there was something inside of him and there was something inside of him that the riches and the power and all of the prestige, all of the education, he was well educated, he had all the money he can handle, he had power, he was of the royal family, none of that would fulfill him. Come on now. Is that tracking with anybody in this room? I don't care how many houses you buy. I don't care how big they are. I don't care how many cars you own. I don't care if it's a Maserati. I don't care what it is. I don't care how much money you put in the bank. I don't care how much retirement you have. I don't care. It doesn't matter. God, if you have it, you have it because God has called you to use it for His kingdom. My brothers and sisters, that in and of itself will not fulfill you. It's that's because God has a call on your life. So why are you kicking around all of these other things? Why are you trying all of this other stuff? That is not going to fulfill you. Moses had a call on his life from before he was in his mother's womb. And God allowed it to be played out and allowed circumstances. Now Moses had to make the decision. Did God call Moses to kill the Egyptian? No. I don't believe he did. I believe that's why he spent 40 years on the backside of that mountain. He was in, he was, he was tending his father-in-law's sheep for 40 years before God appeared to him in the burning bush. 40 years. See, my brothers and sisters, here's what I'm saying to you. You know what? Sometimes we think, well, we got this calling and when's it going to happen? Well, what are you doing about it? What are you doing? What have you done? See, sometimes it's not about the things that we're leaving out. It's some of the things that we're putting in. What habit, what thing that maybe is, you've, you know, it's on that line. You've allowed it, but you know deep down in your heart, God wants that out of your life. And they say, I'm not saying, well, it, it could be this, it could be that. No, let's just, an attitude. It could be simply an attitude. Come on. I'm, listen, if that bothers you all, you don't want to be under a pastor that's transparent, go somewhere else. 
I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, man, I'm, I'm in the middle of something right now. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm praying and I'm doing some things and, and you know, I, I will tell you, I'm being pressed and I shared with Christina yesterday, I hope you're praying for me. I shared with Christina, I'm being pressed, but it's not bad. I'm not complaining. I'm not crying. I'm not moaning. It's awesome. It's awesome because I know God is working something. I'm being pressed and I read Peter, you see. These trials, these things, that it's to make your faith grow. I need a little burst of energy. I need a little bit of HGH. God has given me some spiritual HGH. Ah! But here in the middle of this, you know how I know? Because some of my attitudes are being exposed. Some stuff that I'm thinking and some stuff I'm letting pass by my lips. Some of my toods are being exposed. Come on now. No excuse. This is what God needs from me. You need to work this out. Because I'm, I'm seeking God. God, I want to continue the vision. God, I want to do what you're asking me to do. God, we have a few more people that are coming and going now. We need help. We need a youth pastor. We need some other things here. Father, so give me the vision. You know, steer me. Lead me. And so I want clear vision. So I'm, I'm going through these paces. I'm going through these things. And right in the middle of this now. So let me ask you something. How about you? Man, are, are, are you seeking God? And then in the middle of that, you've got you to remember when you're seeking God and when you get into the Word and you're looking, there's going to be some stuff that's exposed. God is not going to yank it out of you, but He's going to make sure that you know it. Why? Because He wants you to clean it up. He loves you. He has more for you. He has this call on your life. And He wants you to be a fruit producer and he's helping you to produce he's got a little pruning of your branch that he wants to do amen gotta let him do it gotta let him do it so watch Moses there was something in him did he know exactly what it was no he did not but he knew there's something different I can't I'm not you know I'm, I'm in line for the throne of Pharaoh you know I'm of the royal family this is great I got the easy life servants money everything I need all the women love me you know I got the best chariot in the fleet you know I got all of this bling you know this is great no in him this is no something more something different there's something else this past week, I think it was, and forgive me for not remembering the exact day. You know, the NFL, this is their hiring and firing season for coaches, you know. I don't watch much on TV, but I watch a lot of football because that's about the only thing I really like watching on TV. The rest of this stuff is pretty much garbage. But anyway, regardless of that, it drives Michelle crazy. But I, they hired, and I heard this interview that they hired uh, this coach who had been uh, retired for a little while. I'm not sure how long, but they interviewed him. And they said, well, you know, the question went something like this. After being retired, why now? And when he said this, man, I got a check went off in my spirit. He said, because me and my family need this. But he also said that he was good to have the time off where he could be with his wife and kids. So what are you saying? That you need to go back so you can get away from your wife and kids? No, I know what he meant. That status, that stature that he had as the NFL coach, that fulfillment, the pressure, being under the gun, being a leader of the team, that, that he missed that. Why? Because that's what get, gave him a sense of fulfillment. That's what gave him a sense of accomplishment. 
That's what he missed. And he was probably in the middle of his misery in that time off when he doesn't have that same pressure, when he doesn't have that same intensity, when he doesn't have that same scrutiny and he's not doing anything but watering the lawn and planting daisies. I mean, it's not the same. So now his wife and kids are probably saying, get out, because he's probably in a bad mood. He's probably looking for something. Come on now. Come on. That year that I took off when I wasn't in the pulpit, I was miserable for the most part. I, I thank God for some of my, my pastor friends and some of the men of God who weren't in competition who really wanted to bless. Thank God. And, but, I, but I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do. I was miserable. On Sunday mornings, it was everything. I, man, the first few months on Sunday mornings, I was crying like a baby. Why? Because this is not what he called me to do. So in the middle of me and Michelle seeking God for answers, what would you have us to do? He told me and her separately but simultaneously. Awesome God. You know what to do. Finish what you started. Here we are. Hallelujah. See, this is fulfillment. See, that's what I'm saying, my brothers and sisters. You're looking to be fulfilled. You're looking for that thing that makes you feel like you've accomplished something. You're looking for that thing that, man, you feel a little bit of intensity. If you're like me and you're an adrenaline junkie, you want to be pushed. You want the pressure on you. I work best with deadlines. I love... I say I don't like it, but I love it. I operate the best. So, so, so my brothers and sisters, see, we're looking for those things. Let, let, me, let me explain this one, one more way to you. I built and grown in golf courses, you know, southeast Carolina and all that. And and love it. I mean it was just something that I could that the Lord blessed me with and I had the ability to do it. So, you know, they when they were built they would call me and man, give me you know, and, and inevitably what happens is you go into a project like that and you start from the ground up and then you have this deadline. We'd like to open it here. Okay. So I work backwards from that date and you try to plan everything out and then you're always under the gun. And man, you're sweating it out. At one time, we had the opening. It was going to be on a uh, Saturday morning. Me and my guys were literally on that golf course at 11.30 at night with headlights of our vehicles doing the, setting the last bunkers and stuff like this, sand traps for you non-golfers. We were fixing up the last little bit. I had a, a great bunch of young people. They rallied around it. We got it done. You know, we got out of there. By the time we got out of there, by the time we got home, it's midnight. I had to be back there at 5 in the morning, and we opened up the golf course. But let me tell you something. You would think that would be a happiest day. No, it was kind of a letdown. Why? It's done. Now what? Is that tracking with anybody? Now what? See, where are we looking for the fulfillment? See, you have a call on your life from God. So it's got to be what God has called you to do because anything else is, is not going to fulfill you. And you're going to jump from place to place. That's why we have so many church hoppers. I'm going to go to this church. Maybe I get plugged in. If they do this just right or have these programs, that program, the pastor's not going to say this bad or he's not, you know, not going to step on. You know, no. Man, go where you get your toes stepped on once in a while. Go where it's, you're being raised up. You're being discipled. 
And you're being told that, you don't, all right, it's time for you now to make disciples. So we got to do this. How are we going to do this? How can we, the leadership of this church, help you? Let me know. What can we do to help you? We, you know, that, that, that's, that's what this is all about. So now let's go to our next case study. Judges. Chapter 6, I'm going to begin in verse 11, and then later on you'll see 12 and 13 on the screen. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the Tiberth tree, which is in Ophrah, not Oprah, Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abizarite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. Verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, Oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? My brothers and sisters, first of all, let's look at this. Gideon is hiding. He's hiding. He's literally trying to hide from his enemies. So the angel of the Lord, which I believe is Jesus, before he took a body. The angel of the Lord is Jesus. The angel of the Lord appears to him and says, Greetings, you mighty man of valor. He addresses him as a mighty man of valor. Wait a minute, Lord. You got the right guy? He's hiding from his enemies. How could he be a mighty man of valor? He's hiding from his enemies. That's the call that God had on his life. That is the call that God had on his life. Greetings, you mighty man of valor. Hey, oh man, how are you, you mighty man? I could just, the angel of the Lord, yeah, but, but not, hello, you mighty man of valor. No. Hey, you mighty man of valor. I could see that. Hallelujah. Let's go, we're going to do something. Wait a minute. How are we going to get this done? The Lord is with you. You've got a call on your life. You're a mighty man of valor. The Lord is with you. Who am I, Lord, Moses says, that I should go? I am with you. I'm with you. See, my brothers and sisters, the call on your life has to involve God. In order to have fulfillment in this life, you have to involve God. You cannot be a believer and be fulfilled in your life without following God's call. You're, you're going to chase things. Now, I'm not talking about your salvation. That's between you and God. And, and I will tell you, though, that if you're constantly missing God like that, you better go ahead and make sure that you've fully repented and you've given your heart and life to the Lord. Not that you've asked Him into your life. Not that you've asked Him to come in and take part in your mess. But you're willing to go ahead and give up your mess to get involved with His glory. Amen? Okay, now, did that offend anybody? No? Thank God. But I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, that's not the kind of stuff that we're hearing in this... But see, that, and that does, see, that doesn't empower you. What empowers you is to know that God is with you. He has a call on your life. Find the call that God has on your life. Stop trying to have these other things fulfill you and give that warm and fuzzy or that feeling of accomplishment or whatever the case may be. Whatever it is that you're looking for. So he's, he finds himself in this threshing floor and he says to God, well, if you are with us, if God is with us, 
then what happened to all those mighty miracles, those signs and wonders and that deliverance out of Egypt that, 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 was, that came with all those signs and wonders? We have to go back. We know we have the benefit of looking back at the Old Testament, by the way. And we look and it says in, in Judges 6.1, don't turn there, look it up later. The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them into the hand of, the, of Midian for seven years. They were suffering because they weren't following, they weren't obeying the Lord. They lived their lives according to the people that lived in the land, according to the culture, according to their wants, likes, and desires. And they forgot about what thus saith the Lord. The one who delivered them out of Egypt, the one who showed them the way, the one who brought them into the land of promise, that one they went ahead and they neglected. But they were still looking for the signs, wonders, and miracles. Yeah. Yeah. That gives us a hint as to why we don't see that same Acts church showing up in this current age. We've got to make sure that we're walking according to what he's called us to walk to. Not mixing the two. Right? Boy, it's pretty quiet. Pretty quiet. But my brothers and sisters, so now, okay, uh, you've got a call on your life, Gideon. You've got a call on your life. Was Gideon suffering just for his sin? No. The whole nation, the whole culture was without God. Where are we? Where are we? You know, I said earlier, and it, it bothers me so that the culture has creeped into the church so much, and then you know, we're trying to fight a fight with our, you know, our children, trying to get our children to see God's way is the right way. But then so many of us have taken part you know, kind of halfway in, halfway out with the culture, so it's really hard to convince the kids that you know, this is the right way. And then let's look at some of the other things. Look at the denominations. Are you influenced by denominational um, opinions, doctrines, theologies. I, I, I know people that said, you know, I was raised in this church and I'm going to die in this church. Really? I, I know many people, that, like I said earlier, I mean, something that is mentioned from the pulpit that that's not quite right, they don't agree with their tradition, they're going to go ahead and find something someplace else. Well, see, my brother and sister, that doesn't get the job done. Because in order for us to have that, that power of God working in our lives, in order for us to know what the purpose and plan is and have God with us, we have to be void of the culture. We have to put, push the culture aside. Stop letting that influence us. We settle into circumstances. Waiting, looking for the next wave. See, that's, that's what Gideon's doing. Gideon, Gideon's saying a lot of things like sometimes we've done, uh, even myself, as a baby Christian. Show me something, God. Show me something. If you're with us, then show me something. Right? 
So some of us have fallen into that. Even those of us who are veterans of the faith, we're looking for that next thing. This speaker's over there. I'm going to go there because God may say something over there. Uh, this this so-and-so is in town. I'm going to go over there because God may say something to me over there. Or, or this, you know, whatever. This minute, I'm going to, I got to run here, run there, run there, run there. Well, I'm not saying that you should never go to other things. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is if we're, we're in, a, in a rush to run there so that we can hear from God and we can get that next marching order or whatever, you've already got your marching orders. You've, sometimes, you've, again, you've just got to get away. Like our brother shared earlier, sometimes you've just got to get away, push all the stuff aside, get into a quiet place where you can read and pray and seek God earnestly. He will speak to you. Sometimes you've got to turn your plate over. Uh-oh. Or sometimes you've got to take a break from social media, not for a day. How about taking a break off of that nasty stuff for a week or a month? How about that? Sometimes you've just got to put that game station down or whatever they're called. Come on now. See, I'm not trying to be a jerk here. I really am not. What I'm saying to... Listen. What I'm saying as a shepherd to those who God loves and to those who God has called and to those who God wants you to be fulfilled. He wants you to have a sense of accomplishment. He wants you to have joy so that you know that you know without seeing somebody walk on water or without you walking on water yourself that this is confirmed. No, that you know that you know because you have the Spirit down on the inside of you bearing witness with your spirit. So you have to be more spiritual. So you have to... Kiss the flesh goodbye and tell your own soul, I'm lifting you to God. Amen? Boy, I'm telling you, this is good preaching. I don't care what you think. This is good preaching. I'm telling you something. This is good stuff. We need to get a hold of this because we're looking for all of these other things and we're being influenced by all of these other things and God has a beautiful purpose and plan for us. So we're, so we're, 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 we're hiding out We're looking for some signs. We're looking for some kind of affirmation. Something to confirm the calling. In the meantime, that harvest, it's ready. It's ripe. It's ripe. It's ready. We need to go out there. God has got it for us. God is bringing the fruit. We've got to go out there and just reap it. But because we're waiting for affirmation, because we're waiting for confirmation, the devil comes in and steals it. The Midianites came in and they stole it. Why? We didn't trust God. We did not trust God. So we can't wait for that next sign, that wonder, that miracle. We can't wait for this big thing, this this confirmational act that just puts us over the edge and yeah, we're going to go out there and we're going to... No. You've been called. Go and do it. We know what Gideon did. We, We know what Gideon did. Well, if you mean this, Lord, then do this. He did it. Well, now do it the opposite way. Man, if I'm God, I'm saying next. Forget you. Next. But... God had a purpose and plan. Now he gets to have a little Italian guy stand here in front of you and talk about it. No. You know, come on now. My brothers and sisters, don't wait for the, the red seed apart. We don't need to wait for God to split the sky, send down a bolt of lightning. We, we, don't, we have his word. 
And you have his spirit inside of you bearing witness with your spirit. So now watch. I said it ago, a moment ago. I'm going to say it again. Turn the plate over or shut off the TV or shut off the darn video games or whatever those things are that are capturing you. Whatever those things that are influencing you. You may have to get away from some people. There's, that sounds like somebody that doesn't want to be around some people right there. You know what I'm saying, my brothers and sisters. We should be following Jesus with everything we are. I'm looking at the clock and I'm... Do you know, Moses, Moses, 40 years, he had that unction in him. He gets does that thing that he shouldn't have done, so he fears and he goes and he serves his father-in-law. Jethro. Forty years, then God appears to him. Then he goes, and then he's marching around that desert for forty years. Moses was forty when he went into the de- when he went in and worked for his father-in-law. So that means he was 80 when he went before Pharaoh. It's a lot of years. Me? If I've got to wait for God 40 days, what the heck is going on here? Let's go! Thank you, sister. I'm not the only one. No, listen, I, I know that I said that in jest, but isn't it true? Isn't it true? Why is it? Is it because we're just in the middle of these circumstances and we want out of them? Why are we so anxious that God moves on our timetable? Right? See, this, here's what happens. There's this, this belief, this faith, this trust factor that God is working us into. Because if God allows us these positions before we're actually ready, we're going to try and do it in our own strength. And we're going to fail. We're going to fail. Why? Because we can't do it. It's ordained of God. It's His work. We're just the vessel. Are you with me? So man, so many times, the church that I was raised up in, I think I shared this with you, I mean, everybody, all the young men, uh, we had an elder board, and then we had the training elders, or the younger elders, and, and I was part of that coming up, but I noticed that all of the men thought that they had to get in the pulpit. They all, you know, but what if that's not your calling? Right? I, the, the worst thing in the world is for, for, for me to get in a pulpit, start preaching and teaching. And then, you know what? The, no, it's even worse than just preaching and teaching and not really knowing or not really having that gift or that calling. You know what's worse? It's to not have that calling but to be a gifted speaker. Because then you could speak some things, Osteen, and you will never, ever really affect people. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm sorry. If you, if you do not repent, if you do not leave your life 
and go and join his, you're going to die in your sins and trespasses. I don't care how many preachers tell you that your blessing is right around the corner. I don't care how many preachers tell you that it's sunshine and lollipops. You just got to go ahead and grin the right way, say the right words, and you know maybe do some of these things like this, and just remember grace. No, you have to repent. The gospel is a gospel of repentance. And that repentance means that I was going that way and praised the Lord. God loved me so much that He interrupted my walk. He got in my way. And see, that's what some of you are called to do. Some of you are called to get in somebody's way. God is wanting you to be somebody's roadblock. They're heading for destruction. And you're the barrier. You're that hazard cone. You're that stake that says, Stop! Hallelujah. But because we're not doing it from a pulpit, well, I'm just not going to lie. That's not. What? Really? Really? I've probably affected more people on the job than I have in church. My brothers and sisters, God has a plan. We're looking for fulfillment in all of the wrong places. And even in the church, as we become you know, steeped in ministry, we're looking for the right position in ministry. And it's, you know, because we have our idea what we want to do. Maybe God hasn't called you to that. If you really love God, wait. Wait and do what He's gifted you to do. Do what He's called you to do. I'm with you. Don't be frustrated. Don't be weary. He's with you. He's not going to leave you or forsake you. Wait on Him. If you get ahead of Him, you're going to get frustrated and you're going to get weary because you're doing it in your own strength so it's wearing you out. And then people are going to get on your nerves. No, no, no. I'm not trying to be funny here. Can you give me just a couple more minutes? I know we're running a little long. Just give me a couple minutes. People will get on your nerves. Why? Because you're frustrated. Then you're not sleeping at night. Come on. You're losing sleep because it's on your mind. What do I got to do the next day? What do I have to do to affect this? What do I got to do? See, you're, you're busy and you're burdened. Cry out to God. Wait on God. Yeah, but in the meantime, Rome is burning and here I am waiting on God. Let it burn. Let it burn. You submit yourself to God. You do what God has called you to do. He'll do the rest. Man, end the frustration, my brothers and sisters. End the sleepless nights. You know, end all of that anxiety and worry. But, but Tony, man, the kids and this and that. Give it to God. Give it to God. Amen? Amen. Stand with me, please.